Pastor, Mr. Matthew Ornelas. Come on, give it up for Jesus today, church. Can anybody make some noise? Come on. So good to be in the house. Give it up for all our guests in the house today. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you. Here for the second time, welcome back. It's good to be with you. I'm going to have you guys see it in just a second, but we're going to read the scripture to open up our uh, New Year series. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. How many have having a good start so far? Glad to hear it. And if you're not, well, let's fix that. Amen. <laughs> Acts chapter 13. We'll read the scripture, pray, and I'll have you seated. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And the word says here, now in the church... That was at Antioch. There were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord, or as the New Living Translation says, that they were worshiping the Lord. As they ministered or were worshiping the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Turn to somebody and tell them God's calling you to something. Calling you to something. Verse 3, then having fasted and prayed. Everybody's favorite word, fast. Yeah. <laughs> having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Why don't we pray together? Father, right now we welcome this same Holy Spirit. Your same Holy Spirit who is working in the book of Acts in the first century church, in Acts chapter 13, speaking, moving, calling people to something greater. We welcome that Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Spirit of God, today to speak, to move, to call, and to send. We believe that you have something beyond our imagination, beyond our wildest dreams in store for this church and for all of those who are part of it, God, and those who are yet to be, those who you have called us to impact for your glory. So speak, Lord, today. We dedicate this new year to you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Give two fist bumps, and then you can have a seat today. By the way, if you haven't got a chance and you need one of those gray connect cards and you're maybe here for the first time, maybe here for the second time, um, but, or you've never filled one out, um, we'd love to get that in your hands so you can fill it out and then drop it off at the connect table in the lobby. And it's a great tool so that we can uh, update you on the happenings here at the Father's house, help you get connected and connect with you. So if you need one of those, just raise your hand and they'll put one in your hand. If you need a pen, they can give you that too and then you can drop it off after service. Anybody need one? They'll put one in your hand. All right, there's a couple hands going up. They'll get right to you guys. Thank you for filling that out. We'd love to get in touch with you. Uh, also, I know they mentioned it earlier, but I would love to see you in Party with the Pastors right after service. If you have never attended Party with the Pastors, we're going to hang out for a few minutes. We're going to have a light lunch. Um, just let to get, lo love to get to know you. Uh, shake your hand or give you a hug if you're okay with hugs. I'm a hugger. Any huggers in the house? Some of you are bigger huggers than I am. We, we take them all. But some of you are like fist bumpers. How many fist bumpers are? Remember the elbow, uh, you know, 2020 thing? <laughs> uh, but... Uh, whatever type of greeter you are, we want to see you and uh, discover a party with the pastors. And we're, we're combining party with the pastors and discover. Discover is, so we're going to hang out, eat some food, but also um, uh, discover is our next steps. And it's how uh, we can help you get connected. And 
discover God's plan for your life, a part of it, and your gifts, your calling, and also learn about more about who we are as the Father's house. So we'd love to spend some time with you after service. Join us in the lobby area, the curtained area. And I do have some really good news for you guys. Um, and I first of all want to thank everyone who's given toward Legacy. Can we give it up for all the generosity? The, the people have been generous. Thank you. I know some of you, 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 uh, you, you gave your very best. So to everyone who's given, thank you so much. Um, some of you made some, it was, a, it was a major sacrifice to you, but we believe that God's going to honor that sacrifice. And um, we want to thank you because that is helping us not only with missions and outreach, but also in a big way for getting into our new building, a new home. So I do want to let you know if you haven't heard, uh, we announced in the first service that we have the lease, the first draft of the lease in hand. It's under review right now. And we will be signing this week the lease for our brand new home coming this June. Somebody make some noise. Come on, give it up for God. So thank you because that helps also, you know, we're going to fork out our first month's rent. And when we sign, and uh, I'm part of Legacy Series for that. So thank you for helping with that, guys. Um, we are going to be a, doing a campaign. Um, that's coming up February. We're going to start this campaign. There's going to be a brand new series, an exciting series of messages. that's very visionary about the future, everything about the new home and how it's going to play a role in who we are becoming, who we are as a church and uh, your role in that. And there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of things we're going to accomplish together, but it's going to it's going to be it's going to take some faith. How many know we still need some faith? Amen. Um, in the natural, this is way bigger than us, but we have God's favor on our side. And how many know favor ain't fair? Amen. Have you heard that? You heard somebody say favor ain't fair. So you don't want to miss February whatsoever. It's going to be a four week series. Do our campaign. We're going to share um, our goals for the project. The good news is, is the owners of the property are forking out $560,000 to do the uh, renovations. So that's why we're waiting to, come on, somebody, that's a lot of money. So to do the re renovations so that we can actually, uh, it'll be suitable for worship. So I'm telling you, I'm excited because we're going to have our own youth nights there. They're going to have their own space to do their thing and have fun. And our teenagers are going to be growing in their faith and building community. And we're making disciples. Our kids are going to have their own spaces, um, our, like four different rooms just for kids' ministry and their own entryway where kids' parents can check them in and then enter into the worship space. We're going to have a lobby and have a small coffee bar. That we Our goal is to have that open as a third place during the week where people can come in during certain hours. They can just hang out, read their Bible. Bibles, meet with their small group, have a one-on-one -on -one with somebody, and actually make church what I think it should be, an all-week-long community where different types of ministries happening in grand and, and small ways. Um, it's going to be a place where we can uh, prepare for our big outreaches and we can assemble gifts and build our teams and coach our leaders and do conferences and marriage, marriage conferences and women's conferences and men's conferences, all with the goal of helping people grow and take the next step in their journey with God. Are you pumped about that? So many good things are going to happen. We'll see some concerts. We're going to have an in-house recording studio for our worship team and our creatives in the house. I mean, we're pumped. So please continue uh, to pray with us. Don't miss those weeks. In fact, don't miss any of Don't miss anything. <laughs> it's going to be a great adventure. Um, I want to call this message Lions in the Attic. And I want to talk to you today about pursuing in this series about taking territory. Taking territory that God has um, called you to to, uh, to, 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 to take this year in 2024 and beyond. 
And not just in terms of, you know, geographic uh, areas or space. That's definitely happening with the church. Having our own home, that's taking territory. Amen. That's, that's, that's planting our stakes in the ground in a deeper, more permanent way. And it's making a declaration to Sacramento and to Natomas and to the future that we're not going anywhere. Amen. God forbid another pandemic happens. What we will not do is let another 2020 tell us that we can't meet anywhere. We, what we will not do is let another 18 months ever happen again and then have to start over and people lose their way during a big crisis and they'd have no space to meet and connect and worship in, in whatever way. That, this is what that says. It says to the future, the doors are staying open for us one way or another. We're going to have ministry. People are going to get saved. They're going to find hope for the future. Amen. Can I, can I get an amen today? And, you know, we did a lot of safety precautions and all that nature. But the fact of the matter is, is the world was shaken and it needed the church more than ever. And out of our own inability and to find a place to meet in any way for a year and a half, we had to literally start from scratch all over again. I share this story, but we lost our whole worship team. We had people walk away from Jesus during the pandemic. Are you with me right now? We had uh, our, almost all of our worship team, I think, moved to different cities and states. Went to the Bay Area, went to Texas. Everybody went to Texas. <laughs> you know, all those types of things. We had to rebuild an entirely brand new leadership team and launch team. So we went from a 200-member team to launch the church. And then when they finally found a hotel, we had 30 days to rebuild with maybe a handful of people to start a church all over again with. Because at that point, things had started to open up and people were already finding, like, I got to get back in church somewhere. And if it can't be here, oh, I got to find somewhere. And we're, we're fighting our way through the online space and YouTube and Facebook Live, praying God opened up a door over a list of 100 different, lo- 100 different locations, hotels and meeting spaces and rec centers. Like, God, you got to open up somewhere. And finally, a, a Four Points Hotel opened up. And then a few months later, we were back here. So God's been with us every step of the journey. But we are saying, hey, we're here. We passed the test. We persevered. And now I believe God is leading us into new realms of victory and taking territory, not for our own praise, but to the glory of his name and to impact the world around us in a more great, in a greater and more magnificent way. Are you on for the journey? So it's exciting things are going to come. But we're taking territory in other words. Maybe for you personally, this is the year where it's time to actually seize the thing that God's burdened your heart for. Maybe it's the new business. Maybe it's actually getting back to that place where you connect with meaningful relationships and get your soul healthy. Maybe it's maybe say, I'm taking my heart back. I've given it to bitterness. I've given it to, to jealousy or envy or, or animosity, and I've been hurt, and maybe it's justified. But I'm tired of letting the territory of my heart be soaked with bitterness and all these toxic things and unhealthy things and not being able to move forward. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. I'm going to forgive this year, even if it's from a distance, amen. (laughs) But for my own health and my own soul, I'm going to release some things. I'm going to let it go so I can move forward. Somebody say it's time to move forward. That's what we're talking about. Some of us, it's taking territory of the the, the future. It's, It's cementing a legacy, not just for the sake of legacy, but really thinking about what do I want and hope that the future for my children and my grandchildren will look like. 
And if I'm not seizing it now, what makes me think that the 30-year-old or 20 years, 20 years from now, that version of me will be better positioned to do that? i got to start today. i got to take territory now, even if it's one inch at a time and one step at a time. And as a church, we're moving into new territory. And as we prepare for this new building, it's going to be a journey of faith. Can you say we need faith? Because God will never call us into something that doesn't require faith in him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Is anyone here in a situation that is demanding faith out of you? Is there anyone facing a mountain that's just, it's bigger than you? Anybody got some Goliaths that are, are taunting you and saying, you can't do it, you can't make it, you can't more move forward, this is just too big for you? I have good news for you. You might be primarily positioned for God's plan for your life. Because he doesn't get glory when you can do it on your own. He does get glory when you say, I'm weak, I don't have it, I don't have the resources, I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the power, the strength. I need your power and grace to achieve this. I need you to take territory. Somebody say it's time to take territory. Now, I love, I've always loved lions. I've always loved lions as a kid. I was actually disappointed when I found out that tigers could actually beat lions in a fight. You ever wonder those weird things? Like, could a bear beat a polar bear, a grizzly bear? How many have ever YouTube that dumb stuff? That's me. That's me. I, I do that nerdy stuff. Like, I wonder, if, could Superman really beat Thor? You, you can find out on YouTube. Like, people make short movies about all that dumb, nerdy stuff. And I like it. I love it. And, I, yeah, you too, thank you. Could a, whale, could, a, could, a, could, a, could a whale defeat a super big octopus? I don't know, but let's see. Let's see what the Internet says. Oh, well, one day I decided, I, I, you know, I'm just thinking about my lions. I love lions. They're the king of the jungle, right? They're fierce, they're majestic, they're powerful and beautiful. I'm like, yes, I want to be a lion. I am a lion. Rawr! Me and my kids used to do this thing when they were smaller, and now they're too cool, I guess, for it, whatever. And uh, we used to bump Andy Minios. I don't know if you listen to Christian hip-hop, but Andy Minio had a song that became a big hit. It was called You Can't Stop Me. How many heard of that song? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, check it out. Spotify it or whatever, YouTube. And we used to bump that up. We turned it up, and he said, when he got to the, 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 the you can't stop me part, he said, you can't stop me. We shouted out, and we just started doing this chant. And we'd be like, one, two, three, you can't stop me. And then we'd roar. <laughs> but our roar wasn't so great, so we said, let's just make it a howl, like a wolf. So we'd be like, you can't stop me. <laughs> the best thing ever and you guys are looking at me all weird it's okay if you're not a nerd you don't understand but my favorite animal in the animal kingdom was the lion and uh there's so many fascinating things about lions but <laughs> what's really interesting are some of the ways that they mark their territory now there's an obvious way that's i guess the more obvious way like they're kind of like my dogs they, they, they'll pee on something and they say that's my territory i hate that about dogs and i got two of them how many go have dogs that pee on stuff they shouldn't pee on? Like, no. There's a bush over there. Why do you need to pee on our fence? Why do you need to pee on the front door? That's the welcome mat, not the pee mat. Like, doesn't make sense. But they do what they do. 
Lions do that. They mark their territory. But there's also other ways. One is through clawing or using their, 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 their uh, what do you call them, their claws to, to, to scratch a rock or, or a, a piece of ground or wherever territory they are declaring, this is mine. My, this is my domain. This is where I reign. This is my abode. This is my, this is my space. They can use their claws about one and a half inch long at, 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 at the longest. And um, they're retractable, which is cool. How cool would it be, ladies, if you had retractable nails? <laughs> Lions have that, and it's built in. Like, ladies, they, we, y'all hate when you break your nail, or you get your nail done, and it just breaks off. Isn't that horrible? That's what I hear. And you know what's so weird is when I see, like, women biting that stuff. Come on, any biters in the house? You know you are. Or they'll be, like, picking at it or whatever. I'm like, oh, <laughs> whatever. It's a woman thing. I don't get it. But lions, they have retractable claws, so they just decide. If they're in a mood, can you imagine being that way with your husband? He makes you mad. He's like, babe, come here. (laughs) Retractable, whenever you want. And they're nice. They're painted, you know, nail piercings and glitter and sparkles. Lions, they have these retractable nails, and they'll, this speaker's mine. This laptop, I like it. This stage, Mine. It's one way. So they mark their territory. Another way is they roar. You know that, right? The king of the jungle. That roar can be heard all throughout the jungle. And it lets all the other animals and all the other creatures know, hey, I'm here, I'm the king, and this is my space. So they let their roar out. And it's a declaration, this is my territory. They also like to go around and, and they like to just, 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 uh, peruse their domain. They like, to, they like to just revisit spaces that they've marked as theirs and just make sure that it's cemented there. They'll, they'll reinforce it or they'll pee on it again or they'll scratch it again and say, just to let you all know, this is still mine. I'm here. And if there's any intruders, I know you. I see you. Reminding all potential threats, this is my territory. And you know, that, that, that's what we do with prayer. That's what we do that's what the church was doing in Acts at the different times when they're seeking God's face with fasting and prayer and going after God. They're saying, hey, we are pursuing you because you have called us to take territory. You called us to bring hope to certain spaces and places and people groups. But if we're going to make an impact, if we're going to make a difference with these earthly lives in the world around us, we need to connect with your heart. I think so many of us, we fall into a trap of doing things for God, and we're not, getting, we're not very good at just being with God. Seeking the blessing of God without seeking God's, God's heart. Seeking the hand of God and the provision of God and the success that God can give without seeking the face of God. And the powerful thing about these moments, like in the book of Acts chapter 13, where the church is collectively gathered to fast and to pray, is that it gets us realigned with the heart of God. It helps us to fix our eyes on what and who is truly important. That before we go after success, and before we go out after, after promotions and advancements and all of these wonderful things in life, that we go after God. We go after Jesus. It reminds us that we are not our own providers. 
And it reminds us that our strength was not given to us out of our own resources, but that, that of heaven. It reminds us that at the end of the day, I have a healer. I have a provider. I have a Lord. I have a master. I have a Savior. I have someone on whom I am utterly dependent on. I am not the master of my own destiny. That role, that title belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. So, yes, we are going to make a difference as, 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 as people of God. Yes, we're going to impact the world. Somebody say amen if you're going to make a difference. And yes, as a church, we're going to shape our community and shape the future and, and make an impact and preach the gospel and send out missions teams and plant new locations and, and surround this city with, a, with, 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 with campuses and locations that will bring revival to our community. But we're not going to do it by our own ingenuity or strength or education or experience or skills and talent. Those things can only be accomplished by a church that is filled with the power and the presence and the fragrance and the beauty of Jesus. Jesus Christ that is anointed by his Holy Spirit and fueled by his truth and his word and advances into unknown territories because we're not relying upon ourselves. We're relying on him. So they ministered to the Lord and they fasted. And what happened in that atmosphere of worship? It says that the Holy Spirit spoke. Can you say he still speaks? Does anyone need a word from the Lord? Does anyone need a fresh whisper? Does anyone need a revelation, clarity? I need to know the will of God for this thing in my life, for this year, for this relationship, for this romantic relationship, for my marriage, for my future. I'm a young adult. I don't know what to do with my life. I'm an old adult, and I still don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> Let me say this for all y'all young folk. It, you will go through multiple seasons where you feel like that. When I, when I graduated school and going into, you know, college and all that stuff, I did not know what I was going to do. I felt like, oh, i got to figure out life. And then when I, turned, I was getting ready to head 30, I felt that way all over again. <laughs> I hit 30, and I felt like, okay, finally grown up. Well, grown up now, kind of immature, but still grown up. <laughs> and then I hit 40, I was like, oh, shoot, it's happening again. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. But I think for most people, there's going to be multiple seasons, and it behooves us to become passionate, consistent seekers of the face of God and the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Because in those moments, and in moments of confusion or crisis or not having clear direction, you can have access to God's heart for your life. You can have access to everything you need to take territory. So if you've been in a cycle where your marriage has been going nowhere, maybe it's time to say, God, how do I take territory? How do I gain some ground here? Because I've been trying to tell my husband what he should be doing for 10 years, and he ain't listened yet. <laughs> maybe you need more. Maybe you need God's wisdom. Or maybe you're just not where you thought you would be at this point in your life's journey. And you're like, I'm behind. Maybe you're caught up in that cycle of looking at everybody's social media pages and their Instagrams and seeing how amazing their lives are. Isn't it incredible? People have amazing lives. I'm like, wow, how do they have such amazing lives? What's wrong with me? I got a great life, but man, your whole Instagram shows me a whole month, so much. Wow, I, I want to live in your shoes one day. I want to walk in your shoes. Everyone posts their highlight reels, right? 
No one posts pictures of hell that they're walking through. But maybe what we need to do is start seeking the wisdom of heaven instead of playing the comparison game. Instead of measuring our progress by someone else's. Because your cross is different from the other guys. And your burden is different. And your gifts are different. And your upbringing is different. All the, all the factors, right? Maybe it's time we start taking the territory that God has marked for us. And say, that's what I'm going for. Instead of this picture that has been painted for me. By everyone else. Are you in a place right now that you've been trying to take things you were never meant to take? Pursue a promised land that was promised to someone else? It's okay to let people inspire you. I love inspiration. You know what my problem is? Is everything inspires me. Anybody like that? How many get inspired by like every day by something? Yes. The stars. <laughs> right? That color. Oh, the way he thinks. How did she say that like that? Church was so inspiring. That worship song, there's something amazing about that song. Is that a new song? No, we've been doing it for two years. I know, but it just, the way you did it this week was so much more inspiring. <laughs> but maybe we need more than just inspiration. Maybe we need revelation and application. Inspiration is feeling good about doing something and feeling good about uh, a situation or feeling good about what you might do. But revelation is hearing from God about what needs to happen and what you're supposed to do. I say, what do we say that we together go after the things that God has already laid out for us? What if we just go after his promises for us? What if we just chase his destiny for us? What if we stop measuring and comparing and trying to live a second-rate version of someone else's life? Maybe what God wants someone to know today is he can only bless the authentic person who you are. He cannot bless a fake, phony version or a carbon copy of someone else. So we stop playing like we are someone else and we actually go after God, who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. How many of us grew up with certain impressions about what success looked like in life? Huh? There's nothing wrong with education. I believe wholeheartedly in it. I just also realized that not all education is equal. <laughs> I also realize that you don't have to spend six figures in debt for the first half of your 20s because you want to be an artist all the time. I'm just saying. You want to be a doctor? Yes, please go to school because we don't want you operating on our hearts and our brains <laughs> unless you're finished. But one path is not everyone's path. And you've got to understand why am I here? What does God want me to take with my life? In this journey, what territory has he ordained that I, I take for his glory and honor? Because maybe what worked for my dad was great, but I'm wired different. And because I want to make him happy, 
and make sure he's proud of me. And I don't want to displease him. I've been trying to do things the same way and, and put on a different uh, personality and act different so that I could try to produce the same results and it's just not working. Maybe it's because God is finally trying to get through to you and say, you're not supposed to be a second class version of anybody else. You're supposed to be a first rate version, the first version of who I've called you to be. I don't make copies. I make originals. I don't make copies. I make originals. I don't make copies. I make originals. I make masterpieces. It, it, it does no good to, to, to have a copy of a Picasso if you can be a Picasso. Are you with me right now? If you want something, if you, if you want something that has been created by Beethoven, then let Beethoven create it. If you could go in a room where Mozart is conducting and leading an orchestra, or you can go, go in a room where somebody who's, who's playing what he played, where would you rather be? Be the original. Live the destiny God's mapped out for you, even if you don't get it. Sometimes what we need to do is set our hearts at him. Because when we seek God, we get so much more out of it. If all I'm seeking this year is success, good things, growth, financial success, God can do all that stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean God. But when I seek God above all, it leads me to all good things and everything necessary for life and godliness. That's what the Bible says. It leads me to the God who knows the plans he has for me, plans of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. It leads me to the God who says, call on me and I will hear you. Seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Why don't we draw near this year? Why don't we build a house of prayer in our own homes this year? Why don't we endeavor to pursue knowing Jesus and being known by Jesus in a greater way than ever before? What if we say, God, just give me what's in your heart and that's what I'll go after, even if it does not appease the crowds or the masses, even if it makes some people angry with me or upset with me because I'm not living out their destiny. What if we just said, Jesus, you actually are Lord of my life. So even if it makes the world upset with me, I'm willing to bear that sacrifice and that burden and that cross in order to know that I'm in the center of your holy, perfect, and acceptable plan and will for my life. What if we said this year we're actually going to ask God for the things that only he can do instead of trying to manufacture everything that we think we can do? What if we become lions in an attic of prayer in the upper room, roaring to heaven, making our mark on the future, setting our claws into everything God has said is ours instead of being kittens in the earth trying to live someone else's adventure and trying to live up to everybody else's standards but missing the mark. There's territory to take in 2024. Do you believe it? For your family, financially, spiritually, absolutely. Territory for our church. There are neighborhoods that are crying out like the man in Peter's vision from Macedonia, he said, please come. Please come and preach the gospel. There's a cry in the land. And for some of you, you're the only one who can answer that cry. And God's saying, will you step out? Time to start running. Start, it's time to start being comfortable. Don't be apathetic. Don't let apathy strip you of your God-given potential today. 
Don't let fear choke the destiny out of you. Don't let busyness. Listen, we're going to be 80 years old when we lived a life that was just busy, busy with what? With things don't, that don't matter? No one's going to go to their grave saying, I wish I made more money. No one's going to go to their grave saying, I wish I did more, did more stuff in the world, was busier with my life. No one's going to go to the grave saying, man, I wish I lived a more uh, a hectic life. But we will go to the grave saying, I wish I had done what God created me to do. I wish I would spend more time discipling my kids. I wish I had spent time investing in my marriage and the people that most matter. I wish I would have actually created something with my life that outlasts my earthly existence. I wish I, wish I would have pursued Jesus above all. See, this powerful church in Antioch in Syria, which is known now modern Turkey, it was a major center for early Christianity. It was a place where believers first became known as Christians. That's where we were first called Christians. And it wasn't, it wasn't a positive thing. It was like kind of derogatory. Like, you Christians, you're little Jesus. You know what Christian means? It means little Christ. And as they looked at believers and disciples of Christ, they're like, oh, you bunch of little Jesuses here. Oh, just a bunch of little Jesuses. Want to be Jesus? Yes, because that's what we discover life is in laying it down and discovering life with him and in him. Like the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In Acts 13, 1, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered the Lord and to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, He spoke, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the works to which I have called them. There are some of you here today, you need to know that God is trying to separate you for something very unique and very specific. And if you need a word from the Lord, you have to plug your life into atmospheres and environments where God actually moves and speaks. He can, be, he can only show up in a secret place that actually exists in your life. <laughs> and sometimes we think God's not speaking. It's not really that God isn't speaking. It's just we're not positioned to hear from God. And we get mad when we make a wrong move or a decision that doesn't produce a desirable outcome. But maybe we actually didn't hear God in the first place. Maybe we made a whole lot of assumptions and we called it prayer because we read a good book that's inspiring. And we said, oh, maybe that's what I should do rather than really going after the heart of the Father for our lives. Listen, this year, go after God's purpose and plan. Go after God's heart. This, this phase of the journey, go after what Jesus wants. That's when we come to life. And the church in Antioch, they were a church that was birthed out of the scattering of the disciples in, in, in Jerusalem because of the persecution. There's a, part, there's a time when uh, Stephen, who was one of the seven men appointed to serving um, because the apostles had to de dedicate themselves to prayer and the word. And so they needed more people who were empowered to serve and lead in the church. And they would raise, one of them was Stephen. But Stephen was not just some, just some ordinary guy. Stephen was humble, and he was a servant, and he's serving widows and helping with feeding the hungry and the poor and doing all these wonderful things. But Stephen was also a man with godly wisdom, supernatural power, gifts and miracles, and he was a powerful preacher. And one day Stephen gets into a situation with some religious leaders of the time, and they do not like that he's preaching the gospel, and to them it's blasphemy. So they say, we're going to stone you, Stephen. And so they proceed to gather around Stephen and they throw him into a pit where they would do their stonings and they gather the stones. And even unto the death, he remains steadfast in his faith. That's the kind of guy St Stephen was. But do you know who was there 
approving and overseeing the persecution and the martyring of Stephen? A young man named Saul, a young Pharisee named Saul, a young zealous leader of the Pharisees named Saul. And it says that the men would throw their coats at his feet. Why would they throw their coats at Saul's feet? Why was he not picking up the stones? Because he was the boss and he's making the call. And so while they're doing the dirty work, he's, he's giving the approval. He's giving the green light. And they stone Stephen to death. And when that happens, the Bible in the book of Acts, it tells us that the church scattered. Because they're afraid for their lives and persecution erupted. And only a few stayed back in Jerusalem like the apostles, the 12, they stayed back. Or the 11 plus the one, the new one after Judas uh, hung himself and died. But they stayed back and they remained in Jerusalem because they're still believing that Jesus is going to come. He's going to turn. He didn't tell them to leave that space even though he really did. He said to go into Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. Sometimes God can only get us to obey the taking of territory, to go to the next phase, to, to proceed in this journey when bad stuff happens. And even though he may not cause a bad thing to happen, like persecution, he will use the persecution. Have you ever been in a situation where the only thing that got you out of the boat, got you to take the risk, was you, you felt like you had no choice? <laughs> and God was like, no, I need you to do this. You're like, no, it's uncomfortable. I'm afraid. I'm not going to do it. And all of a sudden, you have no choice. You're put in the situation. You're evicted. You, the, the, the marriage is crumbling. Your best friend turned their back on you. You're like, I have no, what, what, I, I, I got to cry. What do you want me to do? That's what happened with the church. The church was growing. It was booming. Revivals happening in Jerusalem. They're growing by hundreds and thousands of people. It says that they met every day. And every day, they're, they're blossoming. But what are they not doing? Is going out into all the world, preaching the gospel and making disciples and taking territory. They're enjoying what's happening at home, and they're forgetting about the rest of the world. And the last great commission, the commission that Jesus gave with Matthew 28, was to go and make disciples of all the world. Go into all ethnos, all nations, all people groups. Go preach them. Go make disciples. Teach them to obey my commands. Unfortunately, it took God allowing persecution to break loose, and they scattered. But what did they do as they scattered? What did they do in the, in the pain? What did they do? They took territory. Because everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Eventually, as you move through Acts, you see that Paul has an encounter with Christ. Saul does. And he becomes converted. And the, this fierce opponent of the faith and of Christianity in the early church becomes its greatest proponent and preacher. And he follows Jesus. He eventually lands here in chapter 13 with Barnabas. And they're both apostles. And in this season of fasting and prayer, they're going after God. This phenomenal thing happens. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to separate Paul and Barnabas for the special work that I have appointed to them. Somebody say, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm separated for something. He's separating you for something. You may not know what it is. But I dare you to ask him this year, what have you separated me for? What is the unique plan you have for my life? Why am I here now in this place, in this community, in this city, in this neighborhood? What is different about 2024? Why is a shift happening in my life? Because it's easy to just settle in and just say, well, whatever happens, has, happens, isn't it? But why has circumstances changed? Or why have they not changed? What do you want from me right now? What is the thing you are asking me to pursue this year? It starts with pursuing you. So the Holy Spirit speaks to the church, speaks to the leaders, and they, they say, all right, Barnabas, Paul, come here. God's calling you guys to go out. He's calling us to, he's calling us to send you out. 
and it says they laid their hands on him, which doesn't mean they started fighting and throwing fists or anything like that. It means they laid their hands on him and they prayed for them and they commissioned them to go out to fulfill the assignment God has for them. You have an assignment. Can you, can you tell somebody, I have an assignment from heaven? Tell somebody else, you've got an assignment from heaven. Listen, you may not know what it is, but you have one. And what if you can know the next step in fulfilling it this year? Sometimes it's there waiting for us to discover, but we just haven't been seeking it. You know what, what the fruit was out of this moment of prayer and fasting and worshiping God? This supernatural environment of the presence of God, their worship, their fasting church, their praying church, their worshiping church. So the Holy Spirit moves freely. The Holy Spirit calls people out. That's what happens, church. That's where we're building with Jesus here in TFH and Atonement. is a church where people will feel called. They'll hear the call. People will hear the Holy Spirit speaking and leading. Not just a preacher, not just a small group leader, but will they hear the voices behind the voices? They'll hear the whisper on Monday, not just the, the shouts on Sunday. That can be what this year looks like for each of us, for our church. But we have to cultivate environments and atmospheres and rooms in our life and in our church, in our community, where the Spirit of God can breathe into it. I was having a, I was in a, uh, there was some conversation recently, and um, uh, it was a coach, he's a, a pastor's coach, church planner coach, and just discussing um, an issue in today's climate within the church that there are, the average age of, um, is, is going up for pastors of churches. I think the average age overall right now, in, in, at least in, in the West, is like 60 right now. That's crazy, isn't it? Now you can do a lot or you're 60, but what it's saying is that every few years that age is going up and saying that young people are not answering the call. And he said, why do you think that is? One of the, one of the guys was listening to the coach, and he's, the coach answered, and he said, um, he was asking the coach. He said, well, I think one reason is is because churches don't call out the cold anymore. Remember the old days. Maybe some of you not be, might be familiar with this, but I sure do. Remember the old days where at the end of every service, they're saying, come forward to the altar if you feel a calling on your life. Or they'd say, some of you are called to take cities and be pastors and start churches and ministries or preach the gospel all over the world. He said, I don't think we're doing that anymore. We're trying to, instead of calling out the cult, we're trying to comfort the comfortable. And when you do that, it becomes more about the American dream than the heavenly dream. And I'm not saying that everyone's supposed to be a pastor or a preacher or any of that. But I am saying that everyone is supposed to be a preacher on some level. That you can be a blue-collar worker or a white-collar worker and be the greatest evangelist that that work office has ever seen. That you could be the greatest church planter that that, that, that that neighborhood has ever seen. Because you may not, they may not be in this church, but you bring the atmosphere of heaven to that neighborhood. I'm telling you, they, they, you might not be a pastor by title, but you're a shepherd wherever you go. And you might be the closest thing to Jesus that those people have ever seen. That your family, your relatives, and your community have ever seen. You, don't rep you represent Jesus. Can I get an amen? 
And what, no matter what your position or role or title within the kingdom, within the church, you are God's representative. You are God's ambassador. You are a reflection, a mirror image of Jesus Christ wherever. You are salt. You are light. You are a territory taker. You are a heavenly dreamer. You're a person filled with the potential of the divine. You're a person with gifts and calling. You don't need, you don't need to rely on everyone else's. You have it within. You've got the same Holy Spirit. But the church in, in today's world needs to continue to call out the cult. See, my dad grew up in that generation. And do you know that for 20 years he pastored a church while also running a tax practice? <laughs> and he would spend three, four months out of the year grinding hard, 80-hour weeks during tax season, making an entire year's worth of living, and then the rest of the year he would be preaching the gospel planting the church, making disciples, raising leaders. So I grew up in an environment where people embrace the fact that we live this dual role a lot of times. That being, we have one king, foot in the kingdom and the other in the earth, and we don't re reject that. We don't say because I have a job that I'm not called. I got jobs too. I got side hustles too. I got side business too because I'm a church planter, and this isn't the last church I'm going to plant. I'm going to plant another one and another one, another location. I'm going to send other guys out and other girls out and other couples because that's my calling, and that's my wiring, and that's my destiny, and I want it. So I'm going to take that territory. It may not be the next guy, but it's mine, and life is too short. If there's anything I've learned in this past year is life is too short not to juice this life for every bit of divine potential that you've got stored. If in you, if I'm gonna die one day, I want to die saying I did it. I want to die saying I gave every last ounce. I want to die saying, like Paul, I have poured my life out as a drink offering. I gave God all I had. I reached every person. I could everything. I did everything. It wasn't perfect. I wasn't the best, but I gave everything. What do we? Why don't we give everything this year? Not just in a moment and not just at an altar call and not just with a prayer. But tomorrow and the day after and after the struggle and after the, 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 the depression and after the, the broken hearted, we just keep giving it back to God. And when we're at 100% on Wednesday, you're like, I'm giving all 100% of I am. I'm on cloud nine. It's yours, God. And when I feel like I'm out 10% on Friday after a rough week, I say, God, it's not perfect. It's really broken. It's messy. But I'm giving it to you. What if you did that? Paul would go on with his team and even Barnabas doing three missionary, Paul himself would do three missionary journeys, really plant, planting churches and preaching the gospel in various regions and cities. He would go to Ephesus, he would go to Corinth and all sorts of places preaching the gospel. Cyprus, Pamphylia, Phrygia, Ly Lycania, Italia, Derby, Ly all these different places. Preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, pouring himself out. Most scholars say he planted 14 churches. Others believe he actually preached more. There's just, he planted more churches, but we just don't know all the places he actually went. But it's believed that he, he, he traveled over 10,000 miles on these journeys. 10,000 miles. No Uber, guys. <laughs> this is pre-Uber pre -Uber and pre-Lyft. No public transportation. RT did not exist. <laughs> Your mama didn't exist to give you a ride to the mall. <laughs> Put on your Jesus sandals, your Jesus Jordans, your Air Jesuses, 
We're going for a hike, Barnabas. <laughs> One day on their first journey, a young guy named John Mark who started the journey with him, he bailed on him. You ever had people bail on you? How many had somebody bail on you in 2023? Come on, it's okay. We're real here. Anybody just walk away, let you down, hurt you, talk mess about you? Yeah, what happens, right? Or they're just not there the way we felt they should have been or sh could have been. This is what happened. They're sacrificing stonings, threats, hunger, shipwreck, all for the sake of reaching people for Christ. I mean, really living this, this thing out. And in the midst of it, for whatever reason, John Mark, maybe 19, maybe early 20s, he's like, I'm out. And he forsakes them. So Paul feels some type of way. Now, later on down the line, as the journeys continue, Barnabas says, hey, let's get ready to go. Let's pack up. Let's go. Let's do it again. Let's go plant some more churches, preach some more messages, reach some more people. You ready, Paul? Yeah, let's do it. He goes, also, good news. I got Paul, John Paul. I got, I got Mark, John, John Mark with me. And Paul's like, that fool? <laughs> what do you mean you got John Mark with you? That dude flaked on us. Barnabas is like, and he, Barnabas was an encourager, right? Son of encouragement. He's, oh, he's good. Come on, come on. He's going to be an asset. He's learned, he's learned, he's learned. Come on, give him another chance. Paul was not having it. So they had this dispute, this conflict. And it was so heated, this, this over John Mark, that Paul's like, and, and Barnabas is like, it's not going to work. We've got to go different ways. Some of you, in 2024, God is calling you to take territory, but you're held back by a conflict or a dispute or a bitterness or a resentment that is keeping you from the calling. And you have all this stuff in you, and you've said, well, I can't, do, I can't go after it. I can't do it. No, you can. But you got to seek him. Get your heart right. Clean all this stuff out. And hear what the Spirit is saying to you. And so they part ways. But what turn, looks like a loss... God actually uses it for his glory. And Barnabas starts his own team with John Mark, and Paul starts another team and picks up Silas and eventually Timothy, and they do their own thing. And rather than just being one team having single impact, they're, have, they're multiplying their impact. They double it and then some. God can take a bad situation. He can take a 2023 difficult season, whatever it was for you, and I'm telling you right now, he can turn it around and still cause you, propel you into taking territory and making progress. He can take the loss and turn it into a gain. He can take the failure you experienced and you're living that, but you have to understand you may have failed, but you're not a failure. There's a difference. He can take that failure, that moment of failure, and he can turn it into a success. He can take that heart brokenness, that, that brokenness, that pain within, and then he can turn, it, turn you into a healer. He could take, he, he, he could take the, the giant that defeated you and turn you into a giant slayer, but you have to move forward. You have to be willing to give God your yes. That's what Paul did. That's what Barnabas did. They kept moving forward. Will you? And because of that, 10,000 miles, Paul alone, preaching the gospel, planting churches, regions, cities, territories. And the gospel would spread from its Jewish roots to the Greco-Roman Empire. It was so impactful that eventually Christianity took over, for better or worse, took over the Roman Empire because of their obedience. And even if he only planted 14, which is significant, Ephesus alone, that one church exploded 
and it planted many more other churches. And it spread so wild and so fast and multiplied so many times over that, we, that, that the, entire, the entire Ephesian region, everyone heard the gospel. Could you imagine if in a decade or two, somebody said, everyone in Sacramento has heard about Jesus because of what God did here at TFH. Everyone heard this in California has had an opportunity to receive Jesus because of what has happened as we sent out the people to fulfill the call of God. Every, every person in, the, in, this, in, in this nation has heard the gospel because of churches standing up and sending out and hearing God's voice and obeying the word and listening to the whisper and sending out people and sending out missionaries and calling the call. What territory is God calling you to take today? Maybe the territory is your own heart. Because maybe that's the thing that you need to take back. And maybe the one who needs to leave its markings and clawings on you, his markings and clawing is, is Jesus. But they're not claws, they're nail-scarred nail hands. He's saying, let me embed my handprints on your heart and declare you my own for, for, for this year and beyond. Finally, surrender. Because if you let me transform your internal world, then your external world will then follow. But it starts with you. Seek me. Find me. Cry out to me. If you want to change the world in any way, it starts with us. It starts with hearing his voice. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Hearing the call and pursuing Jesus above all. What territory is God asking you to take this year? That may be very personal, but I want you to consider that today. As for our church, we're going to take territory together. What does that look like? Well, it's probably more than we can imagine. But it starts with Natonis, reaching broken hearts and broken people with the love and compassion of a gracious king named Jesus. But it didn't stop there. We're going to launch into various places. We're going to have buildings, not just for the sake of buildings, but to build people and build centers of hope and plant our sticks in the ground. So at West Sacramento, we'll hear the love of Jesus. So at North Highlands, so that Rancho Cordova, so that Midtown, Downtown, so that East Sacramento, that high schools and college campuses, we're going to take territory so that the flags of the kingdom will wave in the air. Not in, in a way that's like, hey, we're here to dominate, but in a way that's like Jesus reigns and he saves and he heals. And not are we only taking land and buildings and properties. We're not just taking it. We're leading hearts back to the king and lover of their souls. And they're finding healing and restoration. And marriages are taken back, being taken back. A generation is being taken back. Our youth are being taken back. Our young adults, Gen Z, millennials are taken back. What the enemy intended to strip away and destroy and dismantle. We are declaring today with our nation 
nails in the ground and we are marking territory in this land. Our building is going to be marking the city and saying we're not going anywhere. If God be for us, who can be against us? We're a church moving forward. We're people of the cross. We're following his lead. We're listening for his whisper. And wherever he says to go, it might be scary. It might be intimidating. We might feel like we're not strong enough, but we're going to follow the whisper of the spirit over the screams of the culture. And when we follow him, we're going to see impact and influence and territories gained for the glory of Jesus Christ and the advancement of the gospel. Does anyone believe that it can be done in and through your life today? But we got to build sanctuaries of prayer, church. We got to start our year off seeking the face of God. If we don't build upper rooms of prayer, we won't see an outward demonstration of power around us. So I want to challenge you with a few things today that you will lock in with us as TFH, you're part of the church. We're going to do a fast. Some next steps before we close. Starting Tuesday, we're going to start a fast, 14-day fast. There's a lot of questions about fasting. Maybe you've never done it before. Maybe, maybe you've, you're, you've done a lot of fasting in your time. But here's, here's what we're, we're going for. We're, we're, we're going for a pure biblical fast. Whether you want to do liquids or just water, however, on whatever level. You talk to God this week. You say, God, what can I do? If you're just starting out, start out simple. Maybe you start off with one meal a day for the next 14 days. Maybe you start to say, I'm, get, I'm, I'm building some muscle, some fasting muscle here. So I'm going to do two or three. Or uh, I'm a pro at this, so I got several days of fasting. But I, wanna, I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to fast with us. To, to say, God, to start this year, we are asking you to do what only you can do. And so we are placing our dependence upon you. And this is our, our statement today that our faith is in you and not ourselves. That your power is greater than ours, so we are going to believe for miracles and breakthroughs for our families, our marriages, our future, our finances, our church, whatever it is. We're going to believe that we're going to take territory in multiple realms and that you alone can give us the power, grace, and wisdom to do so. Are you on board with it? Are you on board with it? Are you on board with it? We're going to see some miracles. There's going to be some healings, but we got to pursue him first. So here's a fasting guide. They're going to put a QR code. It was written, put together by our moving pastor, Pastor Dave Patterson from TFH Vacaville. Scan that. Download the fasting and prayer guide. Um, some of you may do Daniel fast or juice fast. How are we going to do it? Whatever God leads you to do. But pursue them with us starting Tuesday for 14 days, two weeks. Use that as a reference. If you need help, let us know. And we're